Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Time all game. Here's a shot, Julius. He scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns, he shoots. Yes! Talking Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association, this is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Pick and Pod, Wednesday the 18th. Preseason is wrapping up. I'm Miles Grossman alongside Chris Persianen and Riley Lucas, our Knicks and Nets beat reporters here at WFUV. Glad you could join us, fellas. I mean, there's a lot to talk about, but I want to start with those Brooklyn Nets because I think they're in really an interesting position with the return of Ben Simmons coming off that repaired herniated disc in his lower back. His ceiling is as high as it's been in the last, what, six, seven months? I mean, there's so much optimism around the facility. And, you know, on the other side with the Knicks, I feel like there's a lot to talk about them being stagnant in the offseason. But, Chris, obviously you have – a lot to say about that, but I'll get us started with these Brooklyn Nets guys. I mean, a lot to get into preseason-wise. I think they haven't looked that impressive, but where is the, the the standard realistically? I think they've pretty much met anyone's expectations. I mean, Ben Simmons, he's looked loose. He's looked more confident, but has he looked like an NBA superstar? I don't think so, Chris. I mean, I think we really should start with Ben Simmons because – that's what's right talked about at the at the at, at the media day the most. That's what's talked about throughout the facility the most. This team allegedly lives and dies with the success of Ben Simmons. What have you seen out of him so far in the preseason? Um, I think this is a double-edged sword of a question, right? You know me. I love context. I hate stats or even eye test observations in a vacuum. And the context here is not pretty. Um, but regardless... Ben Simmons in the preseason looked like a playable, rotational NBA player, someone who can come off the bench and play actual, like, 12 minutes for a good team or someone that could be a sixth man for a decent team or someone that could start for a lottery team. He has looked like a playable NBA player. And the context that isn't pretty, but but that does matter here, is that that is a markable step forward. <laughs> Which is sad, though. Well, that's that's my point here, is that you, you look at the fact that he's going into his seventh season in the NBA. Contextualize that again with the fact that at one point early in his career, I will go as far as to say that he was a top 15 offensive player in the league production-wise. Right, You look in Philadelphia, 2019, 17 points, 8 assists, 9 rebounds. 2020, 16 points, 8 rebounds, 8 assists, 2.1 steals. Right, like This guy was getting a lot done in Philadelphia. Even 2021, 14 points, 7 rebounds, 7 assists, a steal and a half. Like To go from that, being top 15 in the league in offensive production because you're creating so many points for the Sixers offense – and to be a top 10 defensive player in the league, which I think he was at the time, to being where he is now, it's an ugly truth, which is that the same way that we do this here right now, talking about basketball for WFUV Sports' pick and pod, out of 
our love for the game, but also because it's our job, that there are NBA players who see things the same way. Mm-hmm. There are NBA players who see things differently. To a lot of NBA players, the NBA basketball is a vehicle to success, for sustained success for their family. It's a nine to five, okay? And those are the guys that you probably don't want to bet on being fantastic defenders. Why? Because to me, 51% of defense is effort. And that's why I think you've seen Simmons' defense take a step back, not to speculate towards his love for the game or anything, but from what I've heard coming out of Brooklyn's side of things as to his absence in the 2022 season and, and in the playoffs when they thought he would return, the team was not confident that he was missing games for the reasons he was telling them he was missing games. And I'll leave it there. That's stuff that just doesn't come out about players who don't get doubted for loving the game, for for wanting to give 100% effort. That's why you saw him average seven points, six rebounds, six assists in 42 games for the Nets last season. It, it, it was 26 minutes a game, 33 starts for a, a lottery team because Ben Simmons, uh, once he was one of the main guys on the team, once they made the trades at the deadline, they were 11-13, and 13, and they got wiped out in the first round by Philadelphia just like they did when D'Angelo Russell and Jared Dudley were dancing on the sidelines. They got wiped out in the first round by Philadelphia. Things come full circle in the NBA. History repeats itself, and it did last year. Um, I think he'll be a good player, but this spiel ends with the acknowledgement that him being playable on a lottery team is a step forward for him, and that's ridiculous. Yeah, I think it's Ben Simmons is one of the more interesting situations in all of the NBA. He's someone He's labeled as a bust today, but he was not – always labeled as a bust i mean first of all pick in 2016 that's going to come with some expectations any he, and he met them early rookie of the year in 2017 i feel like he was genuinely a rising superstar in this league until his contract hold out i still think yeah. we could rightfully call that a bust oh for sure but I, i'm just saying it didn't happen immediately yeah okay I'll, I'll take that i mean i i haven't had faith in ben simmons for a very long time and i'm not gonna lie i still don't um going into this preseason and seeing what happened there I don't know if <laughs> what was worse for the Nets, if it was the offense or the defense, but I was very disappointed. And obviously this is a, a newer roster. We've had a lot of shakeups with the roster as of last season. But with Ben Simmons being back and being healthy as he claims he is and what we've seen him to be, to go into that game and just, you know, what was it? How many turnovers? Eight by Ben Simmons against Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Eight turnovers by Ben Simmons, who Ben Simmons is supposed to be, in some retrospect, the star of this team. For sure. And that's just a joke to go in here. And, you know, I know the whole injury thing. I get it. I've given him the benefit of the doubt many, many times. But it comes to a point where it's like, no, it's over. It's it's just not fair to do that anymore. And I, coming from the perspective of a Nets beat reporter as well as a Nets fan, I don't have faith in Ben Simmons leading this team at all. And, Chris, you called Ben Simmons someone who could be a serviceable rotation player on a lottery squad. But that's I, not. I, I said. I said, on a lottery squad, he could start or be a, a six man or. Oh, okay. The Nets are going to be a lottery squad this year, and he's going to be starting. Or, that's true. Or, yeah, but I thought you were saying that he was going to be a lot. No, okay, I said. I said. I said if the team is actually good, I would. I would be comfortable playing him, twelve, fourteen minutes, but, at sixteen minutes, depending on defensive matchup. But okay, sure enough. But then if that's the case, if, if Ben Simmons is going to be thrusted into a much larger role for the I mean 
and this he's hand, year. but he's hand, the, the difference is he's handled it before. This I don't is think not, he can lead this team. This is not OG Ananobi getting forty million dollars a year because he's a coveted asset, and then being thrust into a large offensive role to justify his contract. Right. This is not Jeremy Grant jumping ship in Denver to go to Detroit to be the number one option to get a near max contract. This is a guy who got a max contract as his second deal because he handled that offensive responsibility. Even though it was forced and it didn't go well, he's shown that he can do it. Now, reports have come out that the year they had Jimmy Butler, the team wanted to run the offense more through him and the front office wanted it run through Simmons. Um, I would buy it, right? I just think that the fact that he's done that and has had the production he's had on both ends, like he's played his cards, like he's shown what he's capable of. So when he doesn't play at that level, you have to question the effort. I think it's just logical. But then, I mean, when you look at last year, you could question the effort, but then the word around the facility would be, well, he couldn't be himself. He tried every single day to be a better basketball player, but his back wasn't allowing him but to. But how many times are we going to bank off that? I mean, that's true, and I think— Is yeah, that really the case? The The strongest point for that argument would be back in Philadelphia, he used the mental health argument when he probably shouldn't have, and that is what that's I think gave it away is this guy doesn't really care all that much. But that being said, this is supposedly a new era, and it's supposed mm. to be this new attitude, Ben Simmons, where— I don't know if everybody's just saying the right things, but his teammates think it could be a different era. His coaches think it'd be a different guy. I mean, I think going into it, of course, they're not going to say it differently. Obviously, I don't think they would go into it saying they're, they don't have hope in Ben Simmons, knowing that they're about to start this season. And he is looked at as the leader of this team. And I think Chris mentioning that he could be a good sixth man. I could see Ben Simmons playing that role, but I don't think the Nets are looking for him as that this season and that's where the issue lies I mean to go and trail behind Philly 16 early in the fourth quarter and Ben Simmons only having four points and having more turnovers in that six that's crazy and it's just coming from the someone who's supposed to be healthy in a new era Ben Simmons it's you know I know it's just preseason but we haven't seen that yet and I don't think we're going to see that I don't have faith in him I haven't for a very long time and I could say that Ben Simmons to me is just a bust and I'm, I'm a little worried and the Nets are in a really interesting situation, Chris, because they're not going to be competitive with the top-tier teams talent-wise. And when you're looking at things for – if you're a head coach, Jock Vaughn, you're in a tough spot. You have to motivate a squad who realizes that they're not as talented as the top teams in the league to come out every night, play their best basketball, and provide something that think makes Brooklyn Nets fans think we're a serviceable basketball franchise. If you're Jock Vaughn – what makes this a successful year? I think no one in the organization is considering much of a playoff run, but what are you looking for early to say we're taking the right steps? I would I would assume that within the organization, they think they're making the play-in. I don't know if they think they're making the playoffs, and I think they, they hopefully they know they're not winning a series, right? But they should probably think internally if they like the players they have that they're going to make the play-in. Um it's about being the three F's for them. You got to be feisty, right? Play 48. You should be fun. You should play with a little love for the game. I don't think it's easy to get buy-in from a team like that running ISO and pick and roll exclusively. I think there has to be some sort of structure for them, but also some isolation opportunities for young players trying to let Macau spread his wings a little bit as a number one option. Obviously, you know, that skill set, I think, is best served. We're going to see Chris Middleton as a number three 
on a team that is going to be a contender uh, by all you know accounts so far mm-hmm. and, and on paper. Um, I don't think it should be an insult to Mikal Bridges to say he would be a great number three on a championship team. Uh, for a while, the Knicks had Julius Randle as their number one, and I thought he would be a good number three on a championship team. Now, as the number two behind Brunson, all NBA again, showing you know some strides and, and defensive improvement in, in this preseason. If you want to put stock into that, um, <laughs> it's just to me, you know, Mikal. This is going to be a season where the team is not that good. So the way, so the the, the third F is fine. They got to be fine. Yeah. They can't. They're not going to be good. Just don't be bad. Fine. Mm-hmm. Feisty. Fun. If they can be those three Fs, that's a successful season for the Brooklyn Nets. I hate to keep saying, oh, it's a rebuilding season, it's a rebuilding season, but it really is more than ever. I think it is really tiring because every season it feels that we're, it's the new look Nets, it's the new look Nets. But instead Mm -hmm. of just trying to, you know, fill some expectations, I think they should really just work out the kinks here and build up and stop making crucial changes. I understand circumstances, you know, with Kyrie, KD, all that last season, but I really think that we just need to utilize these younger players and build something great here, and I don't expect them to be a playoff contending team. I expect them maybe to make it to the playoffs, not to go far, not to win a series, exactly like Chris said. I have to agree with him there, but they really just have to focus this time in the season on working out everything that has been a major issue before. And as we know, there's been a lot of issues. Yeah, I don't see the Brooklyn Nets as a playoff team in 2023-2024. I think within the organization, they'd probably say their ceiling is what that that 7-8 seed, Chris. And I think, you know, if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, I think a lot of this entire season is about finding roles for guys, right? Cam Thomas is someone who seems to be a complete question mark when it comes to what his usage might look like in the 23-24 season. But given his age and given his potential, I think this is one of those years where you get Cam Thomas, you get his role figured out, hopefully you get him some more consistent time mm-hmm. in this rotation for him to really flourish as an offensive player. We so know what kind of shooter he can, can be. We, can we dive into this right now? Let's dive into this right now. Yeah. Let's, let's do this. I mean, off-rip, but wait, off-rip though, I just want to say, Going into this Cam Thomas talk before we fully switch over, I mean, there's been so much debate in the past if Cam Thomas is. I'm not, I don't want to do Cam Thomas talk. I want to do rotation talk. Let's, let's, rotation? Let's talk it over. Come on. All right. So, okay. your starting lineup Spencer Dinwiddie. Sadly. Right. You would think he starts at the one. Mm. Do we think he starts at the one? I just, the, I'm, yeah. I'm a yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie hater, but yeah, I mean, there's, what else are you going to do there? Dinwiddie. Mm hmm. Is Simmons going to start? Mikhail, yes. It's Simmons will start, I believe. Of Simmons? course. I think so. Okay. I think it'll, yeah. So I, Dinwiddie, Simmons, Simmons Bridges, yeah. Johnson, Claxton. Yeah. With Johnson probably missing early. So that's your five. Yeah. When you're healthy. And yeah. with that being said, Off where is Thomas coming to play? Off the bench. Mm-hmm. Dorian Finney-Smith. Yes. Okay. Right. Royce O'Neal, I assume. Yes. Dennis Smith Jr., backup one. Hurt. Prob- fighting for that backup one. Okay. So so Walker, yes Walker Walker over Walk, Walker yeah, or sure. Smith yes okay Walker way over Smith in my opinion. Do we think Harry G three is the uh, backup five because he started in preseason? That'll be interesting. I I don't I, it'd be in that conversation. But I, I see what I see what you're kind of getting to here is that Tom Thomas hasn't been a name and now said now yeah I don't think Darius Baisley is is no you know I don't but. Think so either. <sighs> Dariq Whitehead and Noah Clowney probably going to the G League. There's Very definitely possible. no spots. Yeah, for there's them. no spots for them in this rotation, that's for sure. Dennis Smith Jr., Lonnie Walker, one and two. Mm-hmm. Royce O'Neal, three. Mm-hmm. Dodo, four. Harry Giles, five. 
Trendon Watford, the 11th man. Dayron Sharp, the third string center. Or no, is he the backup? He the backup and Giles the third string? It, yeah, I mean, it has okay. a, it'd be in that conversation. So we've got 12. Sure. We've got solidified. We've got the top 12 of the rotation, and Cam Thomas is not in it. Well, I mean, you, that's, would you have Thomas over Trendon Watford? I think that's debatable. I, I, think that's I wouldn't very have debatable. Thomas over Trendon Watford. I wouldn't either. But this Nets team needs creation desperately, and that's a case where I think you go I ahead and, and take the shot. You I think? I, I honestly, I have to agree with Chris here. I don't think I would, and I, I'm saying that because what we've seen in the minutes that Cam Thomas has had is a lot of inconsistency. It really has been. There's games where he pops off and has 40 points and then, does a lot the for Nets the team. Do desperately need creation. Six seconds but left then on the clock. Who's putting pressure on the rim? But with that being said, though, there's also been so many times where Cam Thomas has disappointed this previous roster, and I feel will disappoint this current roster. I think he's too sloppy on the court. I think he's under more understanding of the game now. Got to admit, he's a young kid out there as well. But he's still too sloppy and inconsistent, and I think it's too much of a risk to throw him into this lineup. Cam Thomas is 22 years old. The kid was born in 2001, and he had a stretch of games last year in Brooklyn that I had the pleasure of witnessing where he scored 45 in three straight. This was. But then kid. what happened after that? But Okay, hold on, hold on. Let me finish. This is a year that the Brooklyn Nets will obviously not be a contending team. So what do you do with this year? You get your 22-year-old 40-point a game over a certain stretch score, some NBA minutes, an opportunity to prove himself in this league. When you look at Watford, sure he might get you some solid minutes in 2023-2024, but does he have the ceiling of Cam Thomas? But Are you going to no. In the next three seasons, are the Brooklyn Nets going to benefit from some 2023-24 Watford minutes over some Thomas minutes? No way. I understand where you're coming from, but I also believe that we did that a lot last season with Cam Thomas. There was a lot of situations in the post-KD, the post-Kyrie Nets where they were in that phase of trying to figure stuff out where they gave Cam Thomas a lot of minutes, and it was a whole debate. Should we play Cam Thomas more? Everyone was like, play CT, play CT. Here he goes out there, and he has a lot of great games, but then there was a lot of games where he hurt the team more than helped, and there's a lot of inconsistency. So although I do think it would be beneficial to play around with him and to build him into something great, I think over certain players, that's not the case. I'd argue that, you know, Cam Thomas, you want to get, He's a player where you almost want to get those first 500 minutes out of the way in the NBA. He's, he's such a talented scorer. He's proven his ceiling. And like I said, he's 22 years old. This isn't even going to be the year for Cam Thomas. But you want to build Cam Thomas into someone who you could possibly call your franchise to, your franchise combo guard that you're confident in starting in a playoff series. Would you start Cam Thomas as a 22-year-old in a playoff series, absolutely no. not. In the next three seasons, could Cam Thomas turn into that absolute stud of a combo guard that could shoot the three, that could quickly turn quarters and get downhill? Absolutely. Cam Thomas has that ceiling that very few Brooklyn Nets have. And that's true, but, I mean, just banking off what you just said there, you said that you don't believe that he's someone that you would start in the finals, correct? Or you not would today. Start in we the need playoffs. to turn him into that guy. And But that's, <laughs> that's true, and even though this is a rebuilding season, we are kind of playing around with stuff. At the end of the day, I think that we should be playing around with the guys that we already can see are people who would start in the playoffs. I feel like that's – I want to give Cam Thomas minutes and build him up as well, but mm – -hmm. Right now, he's not someone that we could see starting in the finals or starting off in a playoff series. And if we're going to be playing around and trying to strengthen any players on this roster, I think it should be the guys that we see having a chance at that. I mean, lots of ways looking at it. I think Cam Thomas would get 
inevitably so frustrated if he has any kind of season like last year where the minutes aren't coming early. I think he's had a solid preseason as well. I think he's proven that he's kind of that microwave-type score. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, Cam Thomas, I think, has a future as a Brooklyn Net. Surely won't come this year. But now I want to transition to the other team in the New York area. Chris's bread and butter, the New York Knicks. Chris, a lot of talk every offseason, it seems, that the New York Knicks didn't do anything this offseason. And once again, we get kind of one of those sleepy ones. Did they do enough? I mean, the media doesn't think so, but you think mm, that this me- could the media, be— The media, I think, always gets on the Knicks. Yeah, not. exactly. So <laughs> they, the media was not happy that mm-hmm. the Knicks did, opted not to mortgage their future for Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um, and then for the second straight year, Jalen Brunson sent him home in the first round of the NBA playoffs. If you look around in the media mm-hmm. at player rankings, nobody has Brunson as a better player than Mitchell. So two years straight, these mm-hmm. guys go head-to-head. Yeah. The first year, Brunson was the second option behind Luka Doncic. Okay. Okay, Mitchell, the first option on on the Jazz. I get it. Mavericks, Jazz, it's different. But Mitchell went home. Brunson moved on. The next year, Brunson's the number one on the New York Knicks. Mitchell's the number one on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mm -hmm. They go head-to-head in the first round of the NBA playoffs. Now, I know in the front court, the matchup was ridiculous, right? Jared Allen, the lights were too bright for us, was the quote. Jared Allen, former net was completely outmatched by Mitchell Robinson. Mm-hmm. Go look around at, at player rankings. Which centers ranked higher? So with the New York Knicks, it, it's a matter of they are never going to get the respect that teams like Memphis, teams like Indiana, teams like Houston, teams like Toronto, teams like San Antonio, teams like Denver will get because they're smaller markets that – that there's a need to highlight because they have cool stuff going on in Mm. these smaller markets, right? But the thing with New York is that disappointment only appears where expectations have been. And there are always expectations in New York City. Maybe not on the south side of town. I know... um, (laughs) A little shade there, all right. I'll take <laughs> it. That team doesn't get much done, mm-hmm. but nor Jeez. have they ever. You you look at have um, some confidence here. You look <laughs> at oh, they were in the finals the year I was born, so that's cool. <laughs> um, you look at 2002, baby. You look at uh, the, the Knicks and what they've done. Well, I would say Milwaukee and Boston will be a better team than them this year. I will give you an Evan Mobley leap, and I will say Cleveland Cavaliers finish. With more wins. Like Can that. you name me a team that will be better than the Knicks after that? I think the Knicks are the fourth best team in the East. I think. No, that's no, crazy. No, you don't. Yeah, no, I don't. You don't think that. <laughs> They're consistent. Consistently. Average. There it is. <laughs> Riley, any teams better than New York besides Cleveland, Milwaukee, Boston in the Eastern Conference? This is a little exercise we're doing. <laughs> I promise there's a point it's- here. I hate to agree with you right now, but I can't okay. say that there is because I think what Miles just said about the Knicks is that they're a little. What was the word? You, did you say inconsistent or if they're average? Is that what you said? I no, just, the Raptors are. The Raptors are consistent. But what average. did you say about the Knicks? Did you say that you agree with Chris or you don't agree? Well, well I think I haven't. No I haven't yet. yet said. Oh, you haven't gave your take yet. I thought you're a saying a team that's gonna top them, but I do think I'll give you this. I think my team might be the Atlanta Hawks. Okay. 
So so okay. say say the Knicks are the fifth best I, team in the East. They, I don't agree with that though. Sure. I think the Knicks would be better than the Hawks. Yeah, if you look at what the Hawks did, they gave up several unprotected draft picks for Dejounte Murray. Um, you look at what the Bucks did, gave up several unprotected draft picks for Drew Holiday, then more to turn him into Damian Lillard. You look at what the Celtics did, finally cashed. Oh, sorry, the Bucks. Yeah, no, never mind. Yep, and then the Celtics finally used picks. They got picks to turn Smart into Porzingis, but then used picks to turn Robert Williams into Holiday. Um, all these teams have have invested greatly. They're either over the tax apron or c- coming over the second tax apron, which is incredibly restrictive. They've traded their future draft picks. They don't have a core of young players comparable to the Knicks besides Cleveland. In my opinion, Cleveland has to watch for Donovan Mitchell leaving next offseason, mm-hmm. but they still have Garland and Mobley, and that's a really good start. I don't think that's winning a playoff series. A so good let me start. hear your top four. It was Bucks, Celtics, and then Cavs, Knicks. Cavs, Knicks. What about the 76ers? Where do we lie with them? Philly and I Atlanta. Think Harden, I think Nor- Harden starts the season in Los Angeles. But, but even with that being said, do we still think the 76ers are now? Just out of the picture? Yeah. No, I think that I would have them fifth. You would have them below Joel, the Knicks. Joel, Joel Embiid is great. Miami. Atlanta, Miami, six. Miami, no, 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 Knicks sorry. over Miami? Yes. I was, yeah. We, yeah. We kinda, I was Miami was an eight seed last year. They don't care about the regular season. But I, look at how they performed. Milwaukee. I, I, yeah, they only got Milwaukee, better. Boston. How? They got Tyler Hero back. Who they were better without in the finals. They lost Max Struess. But that was, off he was injury. thrown into the finals. <laughs> I think now we've had time to at least build with him in Tyler Harrow. He they, just he did not get better. Him. He got worse. I, I cannot Lowry, sit here and Kyle listen Lowry, to you say that the Knicks are going to be better than the Heat. I'm sorry. That's Kyle just Lowry and Jimmy, they're going to finish with about eight more wins in the regular Than the Heat. I, I find I can understand over the 76ers that Milwaukee, debate, but maybe. Milwaukee, but Boston, Cleveland, New York, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Miami, seven. I'll go Indiana, eight. I will go. Um, ooh. Wait, where where did you just say Heat in that? Did you say seven? Them? Okay, but did you say Atlanta over the Heat? Six, Atlanta six. Atlanta over the Heat too. I find I don't know how I feel about that one. Jimmy and Kyle Lowry are gonna be a combined like sixty five years old, and Trey Young is is <laughs> slowly entering the prime of his I career. I think Same also with, with the Murray. the benefit of Tyler Clint, Harrow. Right. Wait, well, the thing with the Hawks is they moved John Collins. Onyeka Okungwu can be more prominent now on the team as well. Um, Jalen Johnson gonna be playing. Like, I would have. Milwaukee, Boston, Cleveland, New York, Philadelphia, top five. Six, Atlanta, seven, Miami, eight. Eight, you got to go, in my opinion, with. This is crazy to me. Yeah. <laughs> this is like Thomas Aiello putting Fordham in first. Uh, I, no, I admire come, a bold take, but I just come, can't it's stand not a bold, it. None of this is bold. You, I think saying that the well, Knicks are going to finish higher than the Heat is still pretty bold, even though they are an eight seed. I think we just saw them perform very well in the finals, and now, like Miles said, with the addition of Tyler Harrow coming back to the roster, I think that that's crazy. I think the Knicks are going to be doing well, but I wouldn't say that well. And I think even the 76ers topic is debatable, not knowing where James Harden lies. So the, the Knicks line for Vegas is like 44 and a half, mm-hmm. and the Heat's line is like 48 and a half. Mm-hmm. So they see the Heat being four games better. So it's all automatically a real debate, mm-hmm. well, right? No, it's a debate, but you had them at eight, right? And the Knicks Seven. at Okay, and Knicks at four, though. Yes. I think that's a, a bigger margin. Maybe neck and neck, but... The, the Heat coast through the regular season. That's not a hot take. They did it last year and then went know. to the finals. We'll I'm see. just talking about regular season I think it's possible here. that the Knicks are, are that type of regular 
competitive playoff team. Thibodeau coaches every game like it's game seven. You know, like what he's been doing it since they were terrible. You know, so if you want to put Indiana at eight, which I like, you can go with the in at nine and ten, like Toronto and Brooklyn, Chicago in the mix there, and now you're down to the Pistons. The Wizards and uh, the Magic would be next for me. Then the Pistons and Wizards bottom two. And I mean, not to jump into a whole nother topic here, but with that being said, since we are divulging into the Knicks, do you think the addition of Dante DiVincenzo, I mean, do you think he's going to stand like he's going to what's the word I'm looking for? Really prove himself with his 50 million dollar deal. Do you think that that he was the better? He was on on the Bucks when they won the championship. So you think that's going to obviously be a key piece here? Well, the thing is, he was on the Bucks when they won the championship, uh, uh, playing a, a key rotational role for them. He shot 40% from three last year on a good amount of attempts per game. The Knicks needed two things last season. I think their two biggest issues last season were, number one, shooting. They they had shooting, but not in, close to enough to say they had good shooting or shooting that could keep up with the top contenders in the East. I think the other thing was forcing turnovers. I don't think they gamble enough on defense. Thibodeau hates committing turnovers on offense, and he hates trying to force turnovers. Dante DiVincenzo is an elite shooter and, a, and an elite disruptor uh, on the ball defensively. He had two highlight dunks in a preseason game, in a preseason game where he intercepted a pass and went pick-sixed it, pick-toed it down the other end. Um, DiVincenzo directly addresses the two biggest needs the Knicks had last season, and to add him to their nine-man rotation, they removed easily the worst player in that nine-man rotation in Obi Toppin, who I don't think they got enough back for in trade. But on the court, DiVincenzo is a very large upgrade today over Toppin. Also, I asked Thibodeau at media day, do you plan to play DiVincenzo as a one? He said, yeah, I could see him playing some one off the bench. Him and Quickly going to be the backup backcourt. That is one of the best backup backcourts Mm -hmm. In the NBA, that's correct. Look at Mitchell Robinson and Isaiah, and Isaiah Hartenstein, one of the best center rooms in the NBA, right? So the Knicks have an All NBA caliber point guard in Jalen Brunson, an All Star caliber forward in Julius Randle, who's made All NBA twice out of the last three years. They have R.J. Barrett, Quentin Grimes starting, who are good young players who fill their roles. Mitchell Robinson dogged Jared Allen in the playoffs. Didn't look great against Bam Adebayo. That's about where he's at, right? He's way better than Jared Allen. He's not as close to as good as Bam Adebayo. That's a top eight center uh, in the NBA. Uh, you know, I agree. They've got a really good team. The Knicks were one of two teams with six players in the most recent top 100 player ranking that came out. It was the Warriors and them. The Warriors, Curry, Thompson, Wiggins, Looney, Paul. Um, they, they got all sorts of guys I mean, there, I right? agree but, that it was a good trade. Of course, I think trading for Obi Toppin was the best thing the Knicks could do. As you said, he's one of the worst. Trading him away? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah trading yeah. him away for Dante DiVincenzo. Like, well, they signed DiVincenzo. Signed DiVincenzo, but traded away Obi Toppin. So it was basically filled kind of more so that, that player gap with what they needed. And I feel that that was obviously the best thing for this team, of course. But with that also being said, I don't know adding him to this roster is, I mean... As Where's a fifty million dollar backup guard, what? is is that really going to bring the Knicks is, to the four spot in is the East? That his annual salary, you know, like it's, a, it's <laughs> but, a four year deal. Well, okay, Where but still, that's a lot a of money for a backup guard that I don't think is going to carry this team to this position that you think they're going to be this they were, season. They were fifth in the East last, and season. I just don't think it's going to be enough still <laughs> to be over after watching the Heat in the finals. I still don't think. But where were the Heat in the regular season? To me, okay, the Heat were what an eight seed in the regular yes. season, but look at how they performed in the finals. And then now they're going to have Tyler Harrell back coming into this season. I think that's going to be a cause for concern in ranking of the East. And David Chizzo, you know, he's one of the more interesting players. I think he is someone who 
it was underrated his first few years in the league, but now he's kind of getting his props. But I want to turn a little bit to the other member of that backcourt, backup backcourt, like you said, Chris. Emmanuel quickly has an interesting contract situation on the horizon. And as you know, those those contract years can be awfully hectic. When a player is playing for a contract, that can be a different player, especially if you're a young guy like Emmanuel quickly. I mean, Chris, the October 22nd or 23rd situation is coming right up. What do you see the Knicks handling with Emmanuel quickly? The Knicks love years of control on deals. They don't care if they overpay so long as there are several years of overpayment. I know that sounds insane, but the logic is that expiring deals will always have value. They're setting themselves up down the line when they know they're not trying to contend right now. They're setting themselves up down the line to have tradable contracts. So here's an example for you. You know that NBA trades have to fulfill certain financial obligations. If you're the New York Knicks and you're trying to trade for OG Ananobi, would you rather offer RJ Barrett straight up or would you rather offer Evan Fournier's contract with Emmanuel quickly tagged on top? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're putting themselves in a situation with these contracts to have tradable deals down the line. Guys aren't signing in free agency anymore at that caliber of player. They get signed and traded or they get traded. <laughs> so Julius Randle's contract, right? Like all these guys are on prime deals to be moved down the line. Um, And I think that that's the goal for the Knicks. So I would assume they reach a deal with quickly either a four or five year agreement. If it's fewer dollars, then I would think quickly would only want to sign for four years. So like a lot of people have speculated that a, a five for 115 million could be a deal reached, which would be 23 million a year. But I could see it as more realistic for quickly to want 94 million over four years which would be 23 and a half million a year for one less year some people are speculating it's going to be a four-year 85 million dollar deal which i think is a great number um i would look for it to be about 490 mm-hmm. I, I you see if i'm quickly i'm thinking i want my 85 mil secured in this league and i'm taking that financial mm-hmm. security blanket well you you look at the negotiations between his camp and the knicks I, if i'm his camp i would say you gave rj barrett $107 million for doing XYZ. Mm-hmm. I am genuinely someone who has more production and impact. Tibbs loves net rating. Thibodeau loves net rating. That's his one analytic that he like really yeah. you know goes for. Quickly as the best one on the team, like last year and the year before and over the two years. And it's like not funny how it adds up. So I would just point to those things and say, hey, you know, he got 107. I'm asking for 90. Be I cool. also think that 100%. RJ Barrett deal might make the Knicks a little bit have a little bit more pause. They can, why, why sh- we might have made an error committing 107 to such a young guy Correct. with a high ceiling. They, I think they've shown thus far that like they're willing to pay the price mm-hmm. to rid themselves of bad deals or to cut bait. They mm-hmm. signed Kemba Walker. Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks. I think Burks was the one good deal out of those three. Eight million a year for Alec Burks. Pretty snazzy. Kemba Walker, eight million a year, not too or ten million a year for Burks. Ten million a year for Nerlens Noel, not too snazzy. Eight million a year for Kemba Walker, not snazzy at all, as he's currently playing overseas. Um when the Rose administration took over, they used five million dollars of cap space and took on Ed Davis and two second round picks then dealt Ed Davis to Brooklyn for more second-round picks, then traded the second-round picks for more, and they had the 25th pick in the draft. No, sorry, they had the 27th and the 38th pick in the draft. 
They took 27 and 38, dealt them for 23, then dealt 23 for 25 and more second round picks, and then drafted quickly at 25. This is a front office that made second round picks like flow out of a faucet like water when they when they started out, right? They took six of them, seven if you count the one they got docked for the tampering charge, and turned Walker, Burks, Noel, and the seven second round picks into an all NBA player in Jalen Brunson. This is a front office that turned Cam Reddish, who they traded a first round pick for, that they knew that if they drafted someone, he wouldn't crack Thibodeau's rotation. Kai Jones was who was selected with the pick that they traded away to Charlotte. We know what's going on there. Um, he was waived. The I hope he's doing all right for that matter. Um, the Knicks got Cam Reddish. They forced Thibodeau to give him a shot. It didn't go well. Cam Reddish did not earn a rotation spot. So they took Cam Reddish and another draft pick, which was going to be a rookie that, surprise, surprise, Thibodeau was never going to play. And they turned it into Josh Hart. This is a front office that not only learns from its mistakes, but turns them and flips them inside out into positive developments. I would really say that the R.J. Barrett deal is nothing to be concerned about. When they signed Julius Randle to his four-year extension, a lot of fans were concerned. This is what we're tying ourselves to. This is what, And I said, you know, if I were a Nick fan, I would look at the team and I would say, this is a team that coming into every season was expected to be in the bottom three in the Eastern Conference, a la Detroit, Charlotte, Orlando today. And Orlando's on the up and up now, Paolo and Franz, but that's besides the point. Um, the New York Knicks are now coming into the season, and two Nets reporters think that they'll be a top five, top six team in the Eastern Conference around there. So, ish. So, like, that's a clear change in perception. I can tell you that around the league, players and agents, the perception has clearly changed. Guys like Dante DiVincenzo got recruited by Houston over the offseason mm-hmm. to come play with Jalen Green. Jalen yeah. Green actually recruited him, did the recruiting in New York City um, because, you know, that's the place to be, right? And mm-hmm. uh, DiVincenzo picked the Knicks. He picked his college teammates. The Knicks have culture. They have Kentucky players. They have Duke players. They have Villanova players. Wait, the, I just they, think we're going down a Blue rabbit Bloods. hole right now, though. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, are... I'm talking about what this team has built that's sustainable and how it plays into not only their perception around the league, but just how much has been done despite, you know, no Eastern Conference Finals appearance, no yada yada. It's all set up sustainably. So this is why with Quickly's extension, I would pay the years and I would just watch it pay long-term dividends as you then angle now with your improved perception, with your improved perception with agents and players, all of this, as you angle to land these top superstar players, all of these factors play in. Do they pay their own guys? Do they reward their guys for playing well? They rewarded guys from Walker, Burks, and Noel. I just think Miles quickly has up. a huge point, though, with the whole R.J. Barrett. The well, whole- no, I think, you know, like you said, the Chris, they did make the second round last year. That is a successful year in the National Basketball Association. For the Knicks especially. And for the Knicks especially. And I think, you know, coming off that second round appearance, there is some pressure to follow it up with more success. You got the New York Knicks fan base behind you, but at the same time, they didn't ship away who draft picks. They didn't ship away young talent. This isn't necessarily a win now year. Do you feel that there's pressure to win this year or it's not a so win much? Now, it's a win now year. It's a win now year. It's just the fact that the Knicks are the best armed they've been personally in my lifetime, like I said, since 2002. That finals run was 99, right? They're the best armed they've been in my entire lifetime in regards to not only how good they are right now, which we talked about, top five, top six team in the Eastern Conference, but the fact that those other teams we talked about, Cleveland, spent multiple future first-round picks to acquire Donovan Mitchell. Milwaukee, first-round picks for Holiday, more for Lillard. 
Boston first round picks for Holiday. Um, now, right? It, Atlanta three first round picks for Dejounte Murray. All of these teams that we're saying, even you want to talk about the Chicago Bulls and Washington Washington Wizards last year with Porzingis, Beal, Kuzma, the Chicago Bulls, Levine, DeRozan, Vucevic. They gave up two first round picks to get Vucevic. They gave up a first round pick and thirty million a year for DeRozan. Um, basically, when you look at what this team has invested into what they are, it's nothing of mortgaging their future. They've not mm. mortgaged their future. They've not given up long-term security. They have all these assets. So when you extend a quickly, like I was talking about, when you extend a Barrett, like Miles was t- discussing, that's the those are the dollars that you attach to those draft picks to turn into high-end players. They're doing a great job of developing talent and keeping it folded in. I'm just going to keep it real simple in my opinion on the topic. I just think that the Knicks should do whatever it takes to secure Emmanuel quickly on this team. No matter what the price is, I don't know what he's asking. I don't know, you know, all the negotiation details. I don't, but I think Emmanuel quickly is a huge asset for this team. And I think he was should have been sixth man of the year. I think he even made a good argument to be one of the third best players on the team because you have Mitchell Robinson and Josh Hart. They had their moments. And I know Emmanuel quickly out the gate had a little bit of a, I don't want to say a rough start, but it took him a little bit to get there. But he 100% to me was sixth man of the year. I think, like I said, he makes a good case for being a solid starting player of that roster. And I just think that he's really beneficial and he has so much to come for him in these next couple seasons. And if I were the Knicks, I would do whatever it takes to make him happy and keep him on that roster. So certainly some raised expectations in New York. That'll do it for this episode of Pick and Pod. The New York Knicks will wrap up their preseason this evening at home against Washington 7.30 p.m. And then on the other side, the Brooklyn Nets will also wrap up their preseason on the road at Miami tonight. Miles Grossman, Chris and Riley Lucas, thanks for sticking with us this week on Pick and Pod. As always, a production of WFUV Sports.